trust in God and God will make your path straight. And in all things and everything, lean on God for your understanding. Please be seated. Well, hopefully I can read some of my sermon. If not, I'll do it from memory and it'll be a lot shorter than, than I anticipated. Today's reading is the actual bookends a whole passage that began from John 7. At the start of John 7, Jesus says, the Father sent me. And then there's a whole bunch of arguments between the Pharisees and the, the Jews about who Jesus is and what he means. And then we get to today's reading and we finish it by hearing Jesus say that the Father and I are one. As we see in between those two passages, we see a lot of conflict, a lot of people trying to wonder who Jesus is and what he will do. But the conflict is not about climbing over each other, going, this is the Lord and, of, Lord and Saviour, the Lord of my salvation. The conflict is about saying, Jesus is here. If what he says is true, then our lives will be turned upside down. Our lives can no longer be the way they were. Jesus brings the gospel and the gospel does, in essence, turn our lives upside down every single day. When you feel angry and you want to do something, it turns you upside down because you can't, you can't speak to someone in anger. You've got to speak to someone in love and kindness. So here we have a situation where the Jews and the Pharisees aren't happy with Jesus. And they're not happy with them because they're using their way of understanding the world to try and fit Jesus into where they're at. But Jesus is saying, no, I'm over here. This is how the world is. You can't fit Jesus into the world. We die to our worldly selves so that Jesus can come in. And so the conflict continues. People are unhappy. People wish to seize him and put him in jail. But at this point, they can't lay a hand on him because it's not, it's not Jesus' time to be arrested. It's not Jesus' time to go through his death and resurrection. That time will come. And the other thing that we see in this is the growth of Nicodemus in his faith. Where Nicodemus came to see Jesus at night, all of a sudden in the middle of the day, he's speaking to him, he's speaking to the crowd and saying, let's listen to him. Let's hear what Jesus has to say. So his faith is growing, but those around him are stand, standing still. No one wishes to challenge their conceptions or their misconceptions to try and understand how Jesus will be in their life. In many ways, this passage reflects where we're at. Two months ago, there was an announcement, both at uh, the parish I was serving previously and at this parish, about some guy called Rev Rob coming to coming into town on his uh, horse with his six guns blazing and his sheriff's badge on. You know, that sort of, who is this guy? What, is he, what, what, what does he mean to us? How is he going to affect our lives? What does he stand for? What is he going to do to change things around so that we can come to an understanding of God and an understanding of how we can serve our parish better? Reviving parishes, bringing life to situations that might be slightly off track are important to all of us and aren't just the concern of myself but as the leader you'll want to know what, what does this guy stand for and in this passage the the Jews were not trying to settle his identity they were more trying to 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 fit him into their world they were trying to say well look we're not going to bow down and worship you as the Messiah 
but you're going to fit into our preconceived ideas. And in many ways, that might happen with us. There was a lot of fear and a lot of worry and a lot of anxiety about Jesus being in their presence. Because let's face it, their lives were about to end and something new was about to emerge. In many ways, you might be wondering what is going to happen as we move forward. And all I can say to you is as we look forward, we come to today's passage where Jesus is speaking to his people on the Feast of the Dedication. Most authors and most Jewish scholars refer to it as the Feast of Lights. It was a time when the Jewish temple was being cleansed and they had one jar of oil that needed to last a a number of days before the next ones could be made to light the candles so that the process of cleansing the temple could happen. The Greeks who had overcome that temple had spread pagan blood everywhere and that needed to be cleansed and washed off. So it was referred to as the Feast of Lights because the light stayed on so that they could do it. But in true John style, he doesn't focus on the signs and wonders. He doesn't focus on the lights. He focuses on why were the lights there? The lights were there to dedicate the temple to God, to restore the connection of the temple with God so that God's holy people could come and pray, could come and be in the space and get to know God and be filled with the Holy Spirit as they left. So the Feast of the Dedication is how John refers to it. It's one of the few places that you'll see it referred to in that way. Now if you, we we often say, you know, we are the temple of God. When Jesus speaks to the the woman, the Samaritan woman at the the well in chapter 4 of John, he says to her, you're not going to worship God in a temple. You're not going to worship God on a mountain. God will be inside all of us. So the question is, Where is the temple? What are we actually dedicating? Are we dedicating this church? Can I suggest even deeper than that, we're dedicating ourselves. You are the temple. Each person here is the temple of God. God lives in you. The spirit of God dwells in you. So if if we're reading this on a day where Jesus is at the feast of the dedication, well, how do you each and every one of you, dedicate yourself to God. What do you allow in and what do you keep out? When we think about what we let in and out, it requires us to think about another term, spiritual discipline. Well, our spiritual discipline starts with our baptismal vows. We all said when we were baptised that we we won't follow evil. We won't, use our, we won't allow the spirit of Satan into our lives to, to come and dance in our lives and create a situation that doesn't allow us to be godly and righteous and holy before our Lord God. To cleanse yourself, think about the times that you let anger, anxiety, worry come into your life. See, the fruits of the Holy Spirit are love, care, compassion, peace, self-control. So if we're baptised people, can I suggest to you, that's where your focus should be. A peacemaker, a love giver, a carer. See, that's how we dedicate ourselves to God. Then it comes down to prayer and understanding how prayer fits into our life. And one of the things I'm going to speak about today is what we're going to do first. 
Because there was, when we look at Jesus, he was called in baptism. And then when he was baptised, Jesus said, I mean, God said, look, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. But what did Jesus do? He didn't start telling people how to live. He went off for 40 days into the desert to be with his father in heaven and understand his purpose and desire. When Jesus was going to the cross, he didn't say, right, I'm here, come and get me. There was a time from having the Holy Supper until he was arrested where he sat with God and prayed and he was praying and the, the sweat was dripping off him like blood onto the floor. So over the next little while, over the next hundred days, we're going to look to do that. We're going to look to dedicate ourselves in prayer. Bishop Kate put her hands here. We had a great night. There was a lot of food. There was a great sense of expectation and hope. Well, take that expectation, put it into prayer. Take it to God. Let God show you what we need to do next. How do we speak to each other? What do we, what do we say to people that are out there in our community? They're the things that we need to think about. Jesus talks about spiritual blindness. And the stronger we are in our spiritual discipline, the less spiritual blindness we can expect to deal with. Spiritual blindness stops you from seeing how your spirit is acting in the world. You might think that it's positive, but based on what information? Have you correlated your actions and your ways to the Bible to look for peace and love? Can you truthfully say that every person that you've spoken to over the last week has had your care and compassion? I don't know. This is, the gospel is such, a, such an important document that it speaks to each of us individually. If you're reading the gospel and trying to point it to someone else, you're reading it the wrong way because the gospel's read so that it points back to you and your heart and your mind and your soul. So can I encourage you to do that, to read the gospel in a way that points to your heart, mind and soul and to remember that spiritual discipline in a church doesn't start by pointing the finger at someone else. It starts with us individually taking account of who we are and allowing God to work in our lives to make us stronger. In spiritual discipline, we need to seek God's words to us. As you heard in the song that greeted the gospel today, speak, O Lord. How often do you open the Bible each day? Do you have a ritual where every moment of the day you might stop for a minute and just flick randomly or read a psalm or think about how God is going to speak to you? Another way to do it is, is to have the spiritual discipline of the Sabbath. Sabbath is about rest, but it's about resting your mind so that you're not hearing everything else, but you're hearing God, hearing God's word. But more importantly, looking at your life and acknowledging all the amazing things that God does in your life each and every week. The fact that you had someone call you at a particular moment and give you a word or a prompting that can be missed so quickly because the phone's ringing or someone wants to speak to you or there's an email. Sometimes that stuff can be lost. And yet, if you take a moment and just think of someone's word, someone's kind word and what it did to you in that moment, that was your gift from God that week. 
And you might have many gifts that have gone unnoticed. So what I'd like you to do in your spiritual discipline is to read the Bible and to have the Sabbath and to have a good Sabbath, really rest your mind so that you can hear God and you can see all the work that he's doing in your life. Because as a disciple, God's always working in our lives. Now, following this passage, there's, an, there's another passage that's quite, that I'm grateful is not in the text, but uh, in the lectionary. But it talks about, they heard what Jesus said, and then they went out looking for stones to stone him. And he went through their midst and disappeared. Now, you might not like what I'm saying today. You might not enjoy what I'm saying today. But please don't stone me. If you, I'm happy to have disagreements and I'm happy to listen to viewpoints. But I think what I'm saying is pretty much what, what Jesus would be saying. He would be saying to us, love, your, love yourselves, love the people around you. Be kind, be good to each other, be holy and righteous before God. So as we continue the week, as we, have our, we start the week, can I ask you to start it with that attitude of taking all the things that serve you and serve your relationship with God and taking all the things that don't and just throwing them away. Let it go. Repent. Repentance is just leave it there. Let God deal with it. In your pew sheets, um, I don't have one to hold up, but in your pew sheets, what you'll find each week now is a little section called Faith Matters. I've just labelled it as Faith Matters because I thought Faith Matters and there are matters of faith. It's kind of, it was a, it was a da- dad pun. And each week I'm going to have something in there just for you to take away and work with. In today's one, we see Jesus trying to get into the church and the whole church is at the door trying to stop him from getting in. And the comment is, if he comes in, he's going to change too much and we're not going to be able to cope. Using that cartoon as a prompt, how does that sit with you? Do you put a barrier up between yourself and Jesus and hold on to that barrier so fervently that you just don't want the love of God to enter your life? Do we do that as a church? Uh, look, I've only been here for, um, what time is it now? No, I've only been here for a few days, so I really can't say what our churchmanship is like and what our attitude is to the community, but you guys would know. Do we put barriers up in terms of our love to each other, our loving, loving each other and uh, as God has loved us? Don't know you would and be honest about it Jesus died on the cross for everything that we've done and everything that we will do all our debts are paid and nothing can come between you and the love of God in any way so have confidence before God and strive to keep keep being holy and righteous in yourselves and as we move forward this week may God be with you